paradigms and shape the way we understand, explore, and explain everything else we experience. They are the constant that grounds every question into a comfortable framework for what happens when they change. And what sort of event can shake that foundation to ruin and cause us to shift our paradigm drastically? I'm Ryan Nelson, and welcome to Conspiracy Theoryology. Welcome back, theoryologists. Today we are discussing paradigm and the Nimitz Tic Tac video, the UFO videos, the naval videos that you've seen all over the place and that have currently been reported in the news in the last week. Um, and actually, as of this recording, big news uh, about four or five days ago. So first, I want to start off with a definition. Many of you have heard the term paradigm or paradigm shift, but what exactly is that? I found a pretty good definition on sociologydictionary.org. Simply put, it's a framework, a model, or a pattern used to formulate generalizations and theories based on shared assumptions, concepts, questions, methods, practices, and values that structure inquiry. More simply put, it's a widely accepted view. There's some other notes in here that uh, make that a bit more understandable. How does a paradigm differ from other things, hypotheses and theories and, and concepts? Well, a paradigm shapes how something is seen, how we understand it. It shouldn't be confused with something like a theory. A theory attempts to provide an explanation. The paradigm informs the theory. It feeds the theory. It's the the, the framework, the foundation of what we believe and the way we think and how society holds values and views that shape our, our, uh, our understanding and drive us towards our conclusions. You know, in, in essence, when, when researchers go in and, and form a hypothesis, shape an experiment and determine conclusions from the, those outcomes, you have to factor in even trying to eliminate as much personal bias as possible. The paradigm is still shaping it and in effect cannot be eliminated, uh, at least according to the man who really popularized this this term and this this thought on paradigm. His name was uh, Thomas Kuhn, and he 20th, early 20th century uh, philosopher writer and he writing about the history of science in a book uh, called The Structure of Scientific Revolutions that was published back in 1962. It popularized this concept of paradigms in social sciences. Uh, Kuhn had contended that science was influenced and shaped by these social systems, right? And that, and that progress in scientific knowledge and understanding really occurs through shifts. Ah, shifts from one paradigm to another. Part of that position was that Kuhn says that paradigms really remain unchallenged until enough ex uh, unexplained anomalies occur that move to a new paradigm uh, occurs. Now, we'll talk more about that paradigm shift, that paradigm change uh, down the road, but, but I wanted to first establish that concept of the paradigm. You know, very specifically in science, 
it's it's a general theory that helps provide scientists that working uh, that are working in a particular fear field with this broad theoretical framework, and and that's looking at it from a, a, a scientific exploration. Uh, to look at it in terms of what we might deem the uh, social paradigm, well, it is this description of of a human behavior, right? Human, the world of human behavior. It's a description of a society. A, a paradigm it, to define a paradigm from a social perspective is to describe the interactions of people within those societies. It's really, it's really just a, a broad viewpoint or perspective that allows social researchers, social scientists to have a wide range of, of tools to describe that society. And then to later on develop theories and hypotheses against that. So I've restated that multiple times, but it's because paradigm is itself just a, you know, to define it is to define something that doesn't have a very specific answer, right? It is, it is just the basis behind him. To go a bit further, a good quote by, that I found is, uh, by their nature, paradigms are neither true or false. They're merely ways of looking and seeking explanations. Thus, they may be judged as useful or not useful in a particular situation, but not true or false. And ultimately, that means that they're really hard to recognize as being a paradigm. When we think of common sense and obvious facts and obvious truths, well, <laughs> that's really the paradigm. Can I give you an example? Absolutely. Let's look like something like the model of the universe and of the solar system. As, as astronomy progressed, we moved from the geocentric model of the universe, the idea that the earth is at its center and everything revolved around it. Uh, and that was the basis by which everything was formulated. That was how observations were, uh, were evaluated. That gave way to later the heliocentric model of astronomy with the sun at the center of first the universe uh, and eventually, of course, giving way to that being heliocentric in the center of our solar system and and moving that way. You could also look at uh, Newtonian uh, physics versus uh, Einstein's theory of relativity. These are big paradigm shifts in these, these scientific fields, these hard sciences that uh, actually came about through the the progression of of paradigm change. So there we go. That's that's the paradigm. But what are we discussing today? Why are we? Why did I rearrange uh, the uh, the episode schedule and want to get this out for discussion? Well, we are talking today about the pretty much now infamous U.S. Navy videos that were released in December of 2017 that are known as the Tic Tac videos, the Nimitz videos, the Gimbal. These are all videos that you have seen on YouTube, you have seen in news reports, you've seen floating around in, on social media. Recently, it came up again uh, for, a very, for a very good reason. This came across multiple news sources and news outlets this past week. But I've, uh, I'm referencing specifically uh, an MSN.com uh, report so that this is straight from mainstream media and it is quite a mind blower for them. The, the lead here quotes, uh, quote, for the first time, the U.S. Navy has acknowledged the three UFO videos that were released 
by former Blink-182 singer Tom DeLonge and published by the New York Times are of a real, quote, unidentified objects. So that's their lead. And it, it, <laughs> it says a lot. Now, if you aren't familiar with the videos, we'll get into that in a minute. But what is very interesting is that this is official acknowledgement that the Navy considers this phenomenon, this, this filmed footage, to actually contain and depict something unidentified. This came from, this confirmation wasn't just from an unnamed source, by the way. It was actually uh, provided by a Navy spokesman named Joseph Gratisher and communicated to a website called The Black Vault, which is dedicated to declassified government documents. Uh, and actually, if you haven't visited The Black Vault, it's a very interesting site. Go take a look. There were some other things that they talk about in this article that, that Gardasher had added to uh, to his statement, uh, such as the use of the new term Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, UAP, which is something that has popped up before. They did it because it, it provides a a basic descriptor for these sightings, these observations of this unidentified or unauthorized, not just aircraft, but any object that's been observed entering, operating in, moving in and out of airspace that at the, at various times is at, in some level of military controlled space, training ranges or, or operating ranges, things of that nature. This is absolutely fascinating. It's it's being corroborated by lots of media outlets, various news sources, uh, including Fox News, reached out to the Navy for additional comment. And essentially, essentially, it's been confirmed. This is an actual statement and an admission by the U.S. Navy that these videos are confirmed videos of unidentified flying objects. Well, what are these videos? Chances are, you are somewhat familiar with them. If you're listening to this show, you listen to other stuff. This is in your bailiwick of interest, right? This is this is what we live for. We know this stuff. And so you have seen these videos in some form or fashion. The key is you may not have seen them in the context of being legitimate. There's actually some really good discussions and, and some great history out there. I'll point you to last week, a an episode of the podcast, Expanded Perspectives, did a wonderful discussion uh, dive on the backstory for some of these videos, and uh, they didn't actually a, a, a great job. I really, I enjoy that. I enjoyed it. It was a good episode. I uh, don't have to retread on that. If you're not familiar with that podcast, take a listen. Uh, it was mentioned on uh, the guys over at Mysterious Universe made some observations, uh, but they've yet to put up anything on the MysteriousUniverse.org site uh, so in terms of a blog that expands upon it. And everybody is is recognizing this. But these videos are these black and white grainy videos that are actually uh, recorded on thermal imaging infrared uh, FLIR cameras. You may be familiar with the term FLIR. Those are popping up. They're very popular right now amongst uh, ghost hunters uh, because they, they provide not only some level of night vision, but they actually use infrared. They're picking up thermal signatures. They have various settings. You know, you see stuff in in what looks like black and white or photo negative, uh, and it's all meant to uh, provide you different thermal signatures and to catch movement that otherwise it's hard to follow with the naked eye or may not even be visible with the naked eye. These were cameras mounted to F-18s. At least the original one uh, was taken on was taken in 2004. 
and was shot by one of these F-18. It was a gun camera in that particular case. Then there were two other videos that were both filmed in 2015. Here's what's interesting. that the They do follow these, and I'm going to try and link to a YouTube video that goes over it. And there's some that I've found that are really good. They will actually map through because you see that what looks like, you know, a heads up on screen display of the video following an object that looks like a giant floating Tic Tac or, or Tylenol pill. With the heads up display, it displays various things, their, their altitude, speed, the um, orientation of the camera uh, against the front of the plane, the speed of the of the plane uh the the f-18 as it's flying you're it tries to give you an idea of what you're looking at so that you're not just seeing a a grainy black and white video these videos actually amongst other things these videos specifically depict the movement of an object being tracked by an f-18 fighter jet that defy the capabilities of any known or existing aircraft. Uh, and that's that's probably as, as basic and as simple as you can get. What is very interesting with this admission by the Navy is that they do not attempt in any in any way to obfuscate this this situation. They do not try to label them drones or balloons or atmospheric uh, phenomenon or even radar malfunction. Uh, and there's a reason for that. The story behind these is very, very well known. And it's much more interesting than even the videos, which are interesting enough and fascinating, are able to convey. These videos depict encounters by these U.S. Navy F-18 Super Hornet pilots with unidentified ob- flying objects or unidentified aerial phenomenon, UAPs, call them what you will. Uh, unidentified craft or objects of some kind while they were conducting a training mission. There are many reports and I'm going to link I'm going to link those in the show notes so that you can dive into them. Uh, but I don't want to sit here and, and and read these things. I'm gonna pull some highlights. I found an actually a very good review from the drive.com and uh, with an article that came out in May of this year. That's where I'll pull this summary. And of course, this is pre-admission, naval admission. So this, this is, this is a good, a good wrap up here. What's interesting is that this, this isn't just a single event that occurred with a single craft or a couple of objects of some sort. These were filmed under very unique circumstances that are going on that actually are optimized for finding this, these objects. These weren't necessarily real world conditions, as it were. This isn't just a case of a carrier being out on maneuvers and a couple of pilots up or uh, radar picking up something and deciding that they would just go check out what was going on. These were carrier strike groups. They were out and they were using first in line, first in class equipment uh, with multiple uh, carriers out uh, a lot of people out, a lot of personnel, uh, people monitoring each other. Uh, the idea of constant networking and uh, the sensor fusion of everything working together so that there's continuous observation. Uh, that That's really how this is able to happen. These videos don't convey that uh, tremendously well, but 
that when that group was out in in 15 they're actually dealing with what amounted to a a a fleet of these UAPs up in the air now when we look at the 04 video the 2004 video that that became known as the tic tac uh, incident that was actually involving uh, the USS Nimitz which is why you'll hear it referred to uh, and I often refer to them as the Nimitz videos uh, because it's that's what started this whole thing off back uh, off of the Baja coast in, in 2004. That's the story that actually really was discussed in the New York Times during this groundbreaking uh, uh, revelation back in December of 2017. But it doesn't it doesn't tell the full story that came out later, uh, such as in this article, that what we had later were um, the 2014 slash 2015 episode uh, where naval uh, navy fighter pilots that actually came forward to discuss uh, what occurred actually happened for another one of these carrier strike groups they quote a lieutenant ryan graves and lieutenant uh, danny acoin these were pilots that were apparently up in the air facing these well, what they watched, what what these various pilots watched, and, and I don't want to try and get into the specifics here because I'm, it gets confusing, to be honest. Uh, these events kind of blend together. We've heard stories about 2014, about 2015, uh, and these videos. It's hard trying to to hear the difference, but you know, again, we're we're we actually have we actually have first person detail from uh, these these pilots. Uh, as well as as more detail regarding the the Tic Tac UFO, but but in essence, the collection of all of these videos tell this this amazing story where these these strike groups, or these carrier groups, are out and using top of the line first in class radar system on some of these ships. They're using multiple networks. There's constant communication going on between them. This the USS Nimitz. In 04, and then a Nimitz class carrier. Uh, I've seen that it was, I believe, the the Theodore Roosevelt, which is a, a Nimitz class carrier. Uh, so again, a, a Nimitz carrier. But they're out, and these planes are going up on maneuvers. But what it, what had been occurring is that the on one of the ships, radar starts catching objects at eighty thousand feet. 80,000 feet. Now, mind you, commercial aircraft is, I believe, around 30,000 feet, plus or minus some. Uh, and if you're getting up into 80,000 feet, you're talking about uh, pressure suits and you need uh, unique propulsion because the atmosphere is so thin that that um, uh, regular jet propulsion does not, does not function correctly. Uh, so objects at 80,000 feet, well, they almost immediately or instantaneously very quickly descend down to to from 80 to, to 30,000 they drop down and they start maneuvering i they start moving around they're moving very very quick they've already descended 50,000 feet uh inexplicably fast uh in fact as they evaluate this it one account indicates that they calculated it having moved 24,000 miles per hour uh, so wrap your head around that. Now, these videos, they, they actually reset. They, they, they decide that there's something wrong with radar. They shut the thing down and bring it back up, right? They control, alt, delete. They three-finger salute the, the, the radar system and bring it back up. And lo and behold, these objects are still there and still doing gravity-defying uh, maneuvers. So 
They contact the Nimitz, who says, yep, we happen to have a couple people up on maneuvers practicing, uh, or a, a couple planes. And they said, great, send them on. Well, they go to investigate these things. Now, mind you, these these uh, these fighters are not armed. Uh, they're just, and they're not, they're told to not engage, just to go find out what's going on, what these things are. Can they make some visual confirmation that they're there? Uh, can they identify what these might be? Well, they get up to them and they are tracking, they're recording, and they're trying to pursue, but they have tremendous problems uh, focusing. They have tremendous problems keeping track of them, keeping up with them, and uh, they have difficulty even doing any sort of, of targeting lock, radar lock on them because of the maneuverability. Now, these videos show a number of things. These These craft behave strangely there's a one called the go fast video it's just it's just moving then they, they use that to to clock the craft uh there's others that the the thermal the the i believe is called the gimbal and and or the fleer perhaps it shows one tracking and you see the object and you see the tic tac shape and it it keeps distance uh from the craft and then it actually tilts and shoots off uh, with the so fast that the the tracking system cannot keep up with it on the gun, they're using that to to measure altitude, and that's what these clips show: is these these great black and white videos of anomalous looking UFO that have no obvious signs of uh, means of propulsion, no wings, no they're not making any noise, and they're moving inexplicably quick, uh, as well as at strange angles, right? The G-forces, the inertial uh, impact of, of the movement of these craft would not indicate that they could be piloted by a human. Uh, so, I mean, not, not doesn't necessarily mean that they were unmanned, but that's that's the case. So, that's what these videos depict. What they don't tell you, these, these the, the story that these videos do not tell is that not only did we have these craft uh, descend from 80,000 feet down to 30,000, but they had then, uh, mind you, there's a, a huge number of them. Well, they dropped then to sea level. Some of these craft drop just completely go down to sea level. And some of these uh, stories that have been uh, uh, conveyed indicate that several of the craft went below sea level, actually dropped below the surface of the water. It's mind blowing. Now you could say, let's let's just rationalize this out. You could say that these craft, if they have the capability with some sort of propulsion and the ability to uh, uh, negate the the inertial impact of the speeds that they're going, then sure, if they can function at eighty thousand feet, then they can function at uh, below sea level and maneuver, maneuver in a similar fashion. Now, again, this carrier strike group that's there and this huge fleet of ships apparently included uh, submarines as well. And then, of course, other other ships, uh, smaller ships. So the Navy was actually all over the place following these things, trying to figure out what was going on um, and tracking these. That's not captured in the videos. These These videos are just the tip of the iceberg for this story. These videos do a couple of things. Boiling it down, one, they depict the capture on camera of objects that could not be identified and are not moving 
in the manner of any sort of known aircraft, as we said before. This also, it actually showcases the capability of these this new uh, carrier strike class, first in class uh, capability that that the Navy was implemented in both of these cases in 2004 and 2015 uh, associated with these, this exercise. I mean, it, it's, it's almost a, it's almost a too good to be true scenario, which is where the story could end, right? You could simply say, Hey, it is, it is a, a great scenario where we've got this, uh, this Navy cooperative engagement capability and integrated intelligence and networking and communications and this this strike group operations that's meant to capture things to 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 be able to monitor to see the skies in a way that has never been done before and conveniently it it is and conveniently coincidentally it does capture something so that's the that's really the rough start. That's me rambling through all of these bits and pieces. Definitely jump jump uh, on, follow the links, uh, and listen to those other shows uh, just to hear the dive on the story. Because as usual, the story itself is not the crux of our conversation. What's what's really interesting, mind you, is the reason the story doesn't end from just understanding that it's so coincidental that uh, it can't be a coincidence, is because of this admission that came out last week. The admission from the Navy that this was not a known interaction, this wasn't a planned interaction or engagement per the training mission, that this was actually considered an unknown object um, and that these videos are legitimate and they were not... (laughs) They were not meant to be released to the public. Uh, and there's an interesting story behind that, but, but we, we won't get into that, uh, how it was released. That's a, a fascinating story. And I'm still looking more into how that occurred. Uh, but, but it is, it is fascinating, um, how ultimately Luis Elizondo with, with To the Stars Academy, uh, was able to get a hold of these videos and that they released them, uh, under the auspices that they were a declassified um, media that could that that could be released to the public, um, it was apparently under a bit of of subterfuge or a bit of sleight of hand, but it it worked. It worked and it got it out. And I, for one, uh, I for one am pleased that these videos are out. But what does this navy this naval admission mean uh, that they're real? First and foremost, that admission. It it establishes that UFO the UFO phenomenon is real. Now, <laughs> what am I saying? Does that mean that aliens exist and every abduction case is real? And um, every story that you've ever heard about about UFO ever is suddenly validated? No, that's not what this says. What this admission means, along with the other admission in 2017 that the Pentagon was actively investigating. Uh, aerial phenomenon in some former capacity through the ATIP program is UFO phenomenon, the idea that unidentified objects found in the air and are seen and cannot be identified is actually a real phenomenon. This is not just the, the idea that everything can be explained through weather balloons 
or through uh, ball lightning or other sorts of, of astronomical phenomenon and and the like. Right. This isn't this isn't atmospheric uh, weather that occurs up in a stratosphere. This isn't uh, something that occurs and it's and it's not just hallucinations by the general public. Some of these cases must be real. The phenomenon obviously is real. So uh, and it's so I guess it's something that the, the ufological community has known for a long time. Right. Since the days of Project Blue Book and, and Grudge and, and all of those investigations into into that. I mean, not the not the stylized, sensationalized version of, of Blue Book that you uh, see on TV with this past season of the Blue Book or Project Blue Book, but the real stories of Project Blue Book. Right. The conclusion there that I think it was 95 percent were uh, explainable. With this little 5% that was out there, well, that was considered statistically, I guess, anomalous enough for them to dismiss all of the research, at least publicly. But but it continued in some form or fashion after that, enough that uh, the, the ATIP program was at least mildly or minimally funded uh, through the Pentagon uh, for, some, for some of these investigations, and not to the satisfaction of the uh, one of the investigators on that and uh, one of the officers on that to the point that he, Luis Elizondo, steps away and partners with another uh, UFO enthusiast, Tom DeLong, and helps to develop along with uh, a slew of other people, the, the TTSA, the To the Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences. And that's how we get to these videos. So UFO phenomenon is real. Also, if you don't think this establishes that, yes, the U.S. government and the U.S. military, if they want to uh, deny activity and cover something up that actually occurred, they can do it and they will do it. <clears throat> These videos were first filmed. One of them, at least, was first filmed in 2004. It took 15 years before any admission of that video being real. And in fact, had it not been accidentally released, through other means, as in or or inappropriately released, whatever the Navy is 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 viewing this, it wouldn't surface. It wouldn't be surfaced. I, now I do remember that Tic Tac video from '04. It floated around, I think, in 2010. I know, I know, it was out there in some form or fashion. Uh, but it it of course, you know, as in terms of quality, what you would hope to find, it's certainly not a Hollywood blockbuster. Uh, level of effects it and it looks like okay here's a grainy black and white video that someone claims is being taken by a plane and it's got a video game style heads up display so i don't know that many people took it seriously and it certainly didn't catch on it didn't go viral but the 2017 release did so denials can occur have occurred and probably will continue but most important, most importantly with this, and other other people are coming to this same conclusion as well. It's one of the first things that popped into my head is that this shifts the burden of proof on UFO phenomenon away from the UFO enthusiasts and the UFO researchers. It shifts it away from them having to prove that these phenomenon are actually happening and that they are unidentifiable. And it shifts the onus of, of proof to the other side, to the government and to the skeptics. And why does it do that? 
What is suddenly this new burden of proof? Well, you need to now prove that these craft, because based on now confirmed, legitimate, and and videoed evidence that shows that picks craft of some sort, objects of some sort, defying known functionality of any current technology, that proof has to be that those are terrestrial objects, man-made, natural, artificial, something, that those are earth-based, terrestrial-based objects in the sky and not from extraterrestrial origin, okay? Now, here's the thing. The U.S. Navy has, has said, well, these aren't identified. They didn't try to say that they were drones. They didn't say that these were uh, anomalous uh, observations that over even instances separated by 10 years that they have any inkling of what this might be. They simply say, we don't know what they are. They're unidentified. Okay, fine. They could be, uh, they could be other craft. They could be training craft. They could be, uh, something that's up there. Uh, is it a falling satellite? Is it a this or that? Now, remember these videos do not properly, uh, convey the scale. There was a fleet of these objects all over the place, right? There wasn't just one or two. There was a lot and they were chasing them all over the sky and into the ocean. So if you think that they're lying, the government knows what they are and they're some sort of advanced top secret experimental craft or drone, uh, or it's, it's something by the Russians or the Chinese military or anything, right? If you, if you think that this is terrestrial, well, guess what? Now you are the crazy wild conspiracy theorist that thinks that the government is covering up for technology that is not simply years or even decades, but even perhaps centuries advanced from anything that the public is aware of. That seems to defy what we know that human beings can even uh, uh, tolerate or achieve in terms of of speeds, uh, in terms of handling crap. So, so these things are either the most advanced futuristic drones, science fiction level drones coming out of somewhere that that they don't want you to know. But that's. That's what it amounts to. You either join the club of being a conspiracy theorist and, and explaining away that they're, they're secret information by, by some government entity that even the Navy isn't aware of, or the Navy itself is covering up something. Or you now have to admit that these unidentified objects are, are real and they're really happening. And they do not depict anything that is coming off of or based out of Earth from Earth, from our current technology, even our understanding of, of physics, of aircraft, or sea craft, or whatever you want to call them. So there you go. I mean, that's that's the real scale of what's happening. Now, now that I've done that, and I, and I know I've chopped that up, and it's because I want to really get into the discussion of its impact more so, right? Tying this together uh, and, and, and pulling it. Well, Let's summarize it really quickly so we can move into its correlation with paradigms. We have the admission from the U.S. government and the U.S. Navy that footage captured uh, by a by a aircraft uh, carrier fleet and F-18 fighters is 
unidentified aerial phenomenon for which they do not have an explanation. And it occurred not just once, but twice over a 10-year span. And actually, those occurrences are only the only occurrences that were released on these videos. But through uh, additional confirmation from Navy spokesmen, as well as uh, pilots that have come forward to speak about it, that these actually were just single incidences amongst a an event that occurred with multiple objects in the sky over a, an extended period of time. What is this? Well, let's let's get back to paradigms. Let's really talk about what is happening here. This is a shift in paradigm. This is the beginning of what is Thomas Kuhn explains as a paradigm shift or a paradigm change. Now, let's look at what that means and what why this is different than pretty much any other UFO event, UFO occurrence. Well, the paradigm change is actually, as Kuhn describes it, this kind of five-part cycle, right? When you're when you're in the middle of a of a an existing paradigm, everybody's moving forward under an accepted paradigm and doing what Kuhn refers to as normal science, right? Everything that is everything that is uh, being evaluated, all observations that are being made are being interpreted under the under the the workings within the existing paradigm. And he calls this normal science. Well, this covers pretty much most scientific activity, whether you're talking about the, the hard sciences of, of how to interpret chemical reactions or, or quantum predictions, or uh, even if you're looking at the, the social sciences and determining uh, social behaviors, uh, political activities, the political sciences, um, even economic science. Uh, is based off of a specific paradigm. And this is considered normal science, normal activity that's occurring. But what happens is this never exists under a uniform, fully cohesive opinion. There's always little things that are happening, right? Little changes that are occurring, uh, differing conclusions that are occurring. These, these paradigm shifts actually move rather slow. And he refers to this as, as model drift where this this paradigm starts to have outliers and people start thinking about alternatives to the paradigm until enough of these these things these little changes occur and 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 these these biases start to shift uh one a, a different way well eventually a crisis occurs at what he refers to as a crisis well the crisis occurs when enough of these anomalous results that can't be explained through the dominant paradigm uh, pop up. And, you know, individually, again, these findings, they don't justify ditching the paradigm. But once enough of them start to happen, once they build up, this crisis uh, just explodes. It breaks the paradigm and it moves into what Kuhn refers to as experimental science. That's when it's no holds barred. Lots of opinions form, lots of new ideas, new explanations are, are coming forward. And these, uh, these, I mean, the more radical, probably the better. This is when the radical, the controversial explanations truly start to surface and were, and now receive some level of, of legitimacy. Why? Because the paradigm is broken. Well, eventually 
a shift occurs and the large social established viewpoint starts to coalesce around uh, a, a, a conclusion. And when it does that, a new, um, the, a new paradigm is formed. And what happens after that? Normal science resumes. That normal science works under a different paradigm. I showed you, or I talked about some examples before, uh, you know, such as the solar system revolving around the sun versus the earth, um, the, our understanding of the human genome. I mean, you could even talk about things like, uh, at first science believing that, that space with a, was part of a, uh, an ether that, that things move through the light, move through some sort of substance and the shift to the idea of, of the, space-time fabric that those were those were shifts and now it changes the way it works and it and it moves forward there are even modern shifts that are occurring uh if you want to think of something like climate change and the discussions of its anthropogenic origins whether it's man-made or not whether it's occurring well this is experimental science and and contrary to what some people would say it is not a settled argument but the paradigm has been broken right in fact the dominant uh, the dominant uh social paradigm the earth provides unlimited resource for us and that progress is pretty much inherent an inherent part of human history well that is being challenged by environmental paradigm uh, paradigms and uh, these these climatological paradigms that change the imperative on there, that change the focus, that perhaps humans are not necessarily superior, but because of our superior development and social structure, that we have a responsibility. Then the question is, where does that come from? Do we have the responsibility because it is caused by us. Or if it is not caused by us, if it is astronomical in nature, if it is entirely due to something like solar activity, do we still have an obligation and a responsibility for it? These are discussions that are occurring. Why do I consider that a paradigm shift? Because paradigms do not happen fast. In fact, I found a wonderful example uh, that I can relay to you. The Argument of scurvy, which is a vitamin C deficiency. It was a transition amongst the uh, seafaring nations that took, oh, I don't know, 200 to 300 years. There were studies occurring as early as 1600 where by, uh, by which experiments were done with ships, with, with sailors that would receive uh, a few tablespoons of lemon juice every day during their voyage, whereas other ships within the, the, the group, the fleet, did not. And then upon return, discovering how many had contracted or died uh, or been impacted by scurvy and discovering that the ship that had received the lemon juice had a drastically reduced a number of instances of scurvy. Well, that's great. That wouldn't you jump on that? Wouldn't you make sure that everybody sucked on a lemon every day or, or had oranges or you brought citrus with you on the ship? Well, <laughs> it wasn't until the 1740s when the British Navy uh, implemented the change and began making sure citrus was part of theirs. And they eliminated scurvy within the British Navy 
But it wasn't until the 1800s, the 1840s, when the uh, the merchant royal merchant marines implemented it and eliminated scurvy. It takes a long time for these ships, for these this one the crisis to form, and then for the experimental science to help establish and shape the new paradigm. In that case, it was understanding what scurvy was, realizing that there was a means of, of, of preventing it, and then finally the methods for implementation and how to all but eliminate it. This is how a paradigm shift occurs, right? It doesn't progress evenly. It's a gradual accumulation of knowledge and of, of the depth of explanation. And disciplines within, within science, they alternate. They bounce around between periods of some of this normal science through to within the dominant paradigm to the revolutionary, this experimental science, until finally an emerging crisis forms. And then you can finally develop a new paradigm. That's what we're in, my personal opinion. But this, this admission from the U.S. Navy that these craft, uh, I say craft, uh, let me not put words in their mouth, that these objects that this aerial phenomenon is unidentifiable and that phenomenon is real and occurs, has been caught on video, has been observed and studied by, by a technologically advanced organization such as the U.S. Navy and is now available for the public to consume. This, to me, is that, that final straw, that push over the edge that co- will cause the crisis. And that is this crisis away from this paradigm that UFOs don't exist, that everything has an explanation, or, and that all these things are somehow man-made in origin. These objects do not exhibit that. They are not obvious as that. And they are very real in terms of, a, of an unexplainable phenomenon. That's the conclusion you can draw right now. But it is a huge one. It's more than a matter of semantics. As we move into the crisis mode of this paradigm, of our paradigm, that we are the only ones on earth currently with any advanced technology and that uh, any, any exhibit of advanced technology must be terrestrial in origin and that any instances uh, before of potential UFO are due to some level of misidentification and hallucination. That's the existing paradigm is now broken. Well, that is going to reframe all of the UFO phenomenon occurrences claims in the past. And they're going to have to all be reevaluated under a new paradigm when it's established. What is that new paradigm going to be? Is that going to affect a social paradigm that now says that human beings are one of at least two or more advanced species that are now operating on Earth? Are they going to come to the conclusion that we are, is, is the social paradigm that going to be that is accepted, that we are visited by some sort of non-terrestrial species in some form or fashion that we're being observed or interacted with? Is it trans-dimensional as the only, uh, as the only conclusion? Or is the paradigm going to shift towards the idea that the government is much more governments, and I say the government, world governments, major world governments, are they more advanced than anything the public has ever considered truly possible? And that now 
there will be a demand uh, from the public for admission and uh, a reveal of that. What's that paradigm going to be? What, and how long it's going is it going to take for this shift to complete and occur? I don't know. Obviously, UFO phenomenon has occurred for decades, centuries even, but modern UFO phenomenon as it's framed in most of our conversations and in popular uh, pop culture and popular media is about 70 years old and it's culminated to this event. It truly has. This is the admission. If you want to say, I hate, I, I hate to use the D word, but this could be the disclosure that everybody's been demanding. Although disclosure is defined, that's actually a whole separate episode. I won't even get into that. They definitely disclose something and you have to assume that it's true. If you can't assume that, if you have something else as a basis for that not being a true claim, then what are they saying? But with this admission, what are they hiding? If anything, is it you get what you see and you know what we know and that's why we're admitting it? Or is it that we're going to confirm for you the the socially accepted uh, explanation for these videos, and that way we don't have to tell you anything else. Well, there's a lot there. But again, we're in the middle of a change, and it is going to, it's going to rock everything. These objects will change the way we understand propulsion, understand the way of functioning uh, within our physical realm. Uh, it may expand on various quantum theories. It may expand on our understanding of, of what can be generated. And, and it may even simply reevaluate the observations we've made before. So this is a paradigm shift to what we're in the middle of. And I believe these videos have caused the, the, the as Kuhn described it, the crisis. All right. Okay, theoryologists, we're going to wrap this up. I mean, that's it's heavy. That's what I have for you. I jumped on, and it, this this runs on along uh, runs on a little because uh, there was a there was a lot to talk about, but I really hadn't had time to work through a, a, a full a full scripted episode for this um, in order to to get it to get it tight. But I wanted us to discuss enough that I did push out the uh, the planned episode for the e- extraordinary claims. Uh, so, but that will be coming. Uh, I, this just, there's not many times that, that something hits the news that I think I just need to jump on that can't be better discussed later. But this is an important, this is, I think, an important topic. Uh, not because I want it to prove that UFOs exist or, or anything of that nature, but it, although that would be great, uh, don't get me wrong, it would be, it would definitely be, it's definitely fun to consider what this means. But, the admission from the Navy was, was a big change. And the, I could not think of a better, uh, discussion, uh, for talking about paradigm shifts than, than this event and making sure that everybody understands that this discussion needs to be framed, framed at that scale of, of impact. This isn't just a fun event. Um, and this, you know, it's, it's not just cool news that should pop up. Uh, you're going to have people, if they know that you're into these, these conspiratorial topics and these, these alternative ideas and all of that stuff, or that you're the UFO nut, or you, you know, you watch more episodes of, of ancient aliens than they do. Uh, they're going to come to you and they're going to say, have you heard the news? Have you seen that article? Did you know that the Navy said this stuff is real? What does that mean? Well, 
this is what it means. <laughs> Their world's about to be rocked. Their paradigm is changing. Now, does that mean that we're going to know the truth 100% coming up soon? Not necessarily. But that framework by which people evaluate this evidence and these events and these occurrences and these claims um, by by witnesses, they're, it's going to change. And it's going to be taken in a different light, in a different framework, under a new paradigm. So we'll call it quits for today and put an end to this episode. Thanks for joining me. Um, this was a fun discussion. Uh, look forward to uh, another episode out, I believe, next week. Uh, make sure you click that follow or subscribe button in your podcatcher uh, and player of choice so that you don't miss it. Um, if you have any thoughts on this, on this paradigm, do you agree? Do you disagree? Uh, or do you have any thoughts on previous episodes? Email me, contact at conspiracytheorology.com. Now, again, everything that we've talked about today, I'm going to put into the show notes with links. Jump on them. Uh, look them up. Additionally, in the show notes will be a link to the uh, the new uh, Conspiracy Theoryology merchandise store. And there's even a recommended reading section that I am starting to grow. And these are uh, Amazon links for books that are related to topics we've discussed, things that I find uh, interesting, things that have come highly recommended, uh, and some of the best books in these areas of, of conspiracy theory, of alternative beliefs, and and the like. And so that's, and of course, if you follow any of those links and you purchase through those, you do, you go to, uh, all that little bit goes to help the show. Follow those links and, and check it out. You can always find me on the socials at TheoryologyPod. Of course, all this info can be found at ConspiracyTheoryology.com, including how to support the show on Patreon. Now, music, as always, is by AdamHenryGarcia.Bandcamp.com. So we'll wrap it up. And for now, we're going to stick to the paradigm we know, which is beyond the conspiracy and behind the belief lies the theoryology. Theoryology.